0: Welcome, I'm Larry Olson, and what's on your mind? Once set, it delivers your life. To change the outcomes we want, we must change the plays we're running. Join us at Mindset Playbook with real people, real talk, for real
1: insight. Today's episode is sponsored by Apernio. An achievement acceleration company whose approach to professional development enables clients to gain insights and perspectives to live, work, and engage with more success. Welcome to Mindset Playbook,
0: where it's all about habits, attitudes, beliefs, and expectations and their impact on our behavior as well as our life. Our guest today, by my definition, is quite remarkable, and I'm sure this interview will bring that out. Hannah Williams' story began in a blue pickup truck when her father handed, her, handed the 12-year-old Hannah the phone and asked her to close a deal on some investment property, 12 years old. After this unexpected introduction to the world of entrepreneurship, she found herself thrust into a climate of innovation, challenge, and opportunity, and she enrolled in college at 14 and graduated with a degree in international business at 18. Now, as a 23-year-old Gen Zer, she has consulted businesses from startups to Fortune 500 companies and is on a mission to help leaders leverage Gen Z talent as a competitive advantage and build the radical empathy in the workplace. You know, um, Hannah, the listeners out there have dealt with, most of them, so many different generations, and one, one style does not fit all. What I would like you, if you'd be so kind, is to, what, what, what are best ways to communicate and where is the, the Gen Z coming from? Because they've certainly had a different start than the generations that um, came before them. And again, and that also relates to business and just our everyday life. But I'd be fascinated to, to hear your take on that, being a Z-er yourself.
2: Absolutely, Larry. Well, let's just dive right in. Big question, <laughs> right, right up front. I am so glad to be here, Larry. And um, as you can tell from from my story, I hope that in everyone who's listening, and in, in your mind, you're just thinking, oh my gosh, who is this next generation? Because if you had parents like my dad, which is actually not very uncommon for a Gen X parent to do what my dad did to me as a Zer when I was 12 and hand me his cell phone and say, hey, Hannah, you're going to close this deal. To have that type of interaction is not very uncommon in my generation. And so I hope everyone who is listening is fired up a little bit to learn about Generation Z. So, uh, to answer your question, Larry, I am a Gen Zer myself. I'm 23. And for the past five years, I've had an incredible opportunity to work alongside some other amazing leaders and consultants. And really get to work in many different industries. And what I have found is, and I actually had to find this out myself because I was grouping myself into the millennial category until just a few years ago when I was Mm -hmm. sitting around a a bar after a long training day. I was like 18 years old. I'm sitting at a bar with a bunch of boomer and Xer leaders. And we had a long training day. I've been teaching at a conference we're sitting around this this bar everyone's exhausted and i'm sitting there with my little sparkling water cuz i can't drink you know and so I'm, i've got my little sparkling water and and everyone is asking me what's the problem with you millennials you know what why do you think you can be vp the week after i hire you and why do you want 6 months of paternity leave as soon as you come on and I found myself asking the question, why am I not resonating with these statements and these challenges? So I went back at age 17, 18, and 19 and started doing my own research and then went out and spoke with hundreds of Zers all across America, but actually many in India and the UK and Canada as well. And I've found that there are some very, very surprising distinctions between millennials and Gen Zers. So in answer to your question about communication, let's jump straight in. We can get to some of the heart of of Gen Z and why this is such an important conversation. Um, many listeners might be tempted right now. i don't I don't know, Larry if you find this, but uh, you might be tempted to go, "Oh, no, not another generation. <laughs> we have to talk about like the same thing under the sun. You know, there's nothing new, and we're we're going to be talking about another generation every time it comes. And I ask you to consider a couple things for a second if if that's the approach that you're listening with. So while Generation Z is definitely a new generation in terms of, you know, we always make fun of the youngest generation. We make fun of the older generations. I guess you and I, Larry, fallen on, on different sides of that spectrum right now. So you know how all the stereotypes go. You bet. Um, but to get to your to your point, what what we need to have a conversation about more often in the workplace is that not only are we talking about a new generation that is coming up, which is Gen Z? What we're talking about is actually radically different. And the reason I say this is that Gen Zers are actually not just a new generation, but a new category of human being. You're probably mm. shocked when you hear that. So let's let's unpack what this means a little bit. So in the workplace right now, there are five generations. And anyone above age 30 to 35, it depends on when you're raised, could be considered a native analog, which means that, the, of course, the world around us is the first experience, right? A, you know, a, a face-to-face conversation, a trip to the beach, those types of things are the first experience in your life. Mm-hmm. But Gen Z is different. We are the very first generation in history that is natively digital we are native digitals now what i mean by this term is not what you what initially would come to mind so you're you're probably familiar Larry as everyone tells me you know what's the stereotype you think of when you think of gen z it's you know probably a, a bunch of kids sitting around a table everybody's on their phones you know no one's communicating or talking with each other and while that image may be, be true in a lot of respects when we say that a generation is native digital, what we're saying is that their first experience, my first experience of life is not an analog one. It is a digital one. So as an example, when my family, I actually have six younger siblings. So my youngest sister is six six years old and I'm the oldest at 23 so my family is a little different, but when we travel with other families with similar aged children, we go to the beach or to the mountains or wherever we're traveling, you'll find any given evening, a bunch of those zeers sitting on the porch. They might be feeling the nice weather, but they're on their phones. And of course, all the native analogs are coming up like, okay, come on, Joe, you got to get out there to the beach, you know, actually experience the waves and, and whatnot. And What I had to, what I have to communicate to leaders and help leaders understand is that this generation, for them to get off their phone, even though they're on vacation, is actually taking away from the experience happening digitally to have them go physically experience it. The digital experience is the first experience and the most prioritized one for my generation. So that's why we're talking about a new category of human being. It's the first time in history that, that the, the actual world that a generation approaches the world through is not the physical world that we're in. So this is a long-winded answer to your question, Larry, and we'll dive into the implications for how this affects work. But I'll pause for a second because I know we want to chat about it.
0: Yeah, I, I, um, I think handles. Uh, are what people are looking for. And, you know, this this inability for my generation, for instance, who a good time was to go out in the neighborhood and play kick the can or something as archaic as that. Um, And yet when the computerization missed, the game came out when my children were younger, I could understand why, why go out and kick the can when I can discover new civilizations? and interact with them. And and it it kind of frightened me at first, but it also fascinated me. So to imagine coming up with that from birth to being rolled around in a stroller and you got a laptop in your hand and you're not really seeing what's going on around you, but your parents want a little exercise. So, you know, you're experiencing that some way. I think the the question I always get when I'm presenting is is it's and now we'll change this but it was how do you how do you find out what a millennial wants anyway and I hate labels because I think they create preconceived notions and more often than not they're incorrect but I said ask them you know what are they, what's driving them what are they interested in what are they curious about and I think that's that's what I'm I'm attempting to peel the onion with you is you've got those that want the natural experience and what you call analog and those that are digitized almost to the AI kind of, I guess, um, comes to mind as far as as relating to that. Um, And that can be frightening. And I don't think people should be intimidated by one another. I think they should be open to learning new experiences. So how do we best go about doing that when we already have these preconceived notions?
2: Mm. I love this approach that you're taking of it, at least what I heard you say, Larry, is you're imagining what it would be like to be a Gen Zer as a way of of empathizing with them and then asking us, you know what what do we want? And that is mm. certainly having an open mind is the first step to this. But to dive a little bit deeper into what I see as being bridge builders between the generations is that my generation, and we may get into this a little bit, is a bit borderline narcissistic. And I actually had to coin a term in, in my book that just released, which I don't know if you're going to be releasing this on video, but I, I brought a copy because I'm so excited it just came out. Um, but I talk about... Oh, yeah, thank you. Um So I talk about in the book, I had to actually coin this term to describe how Gen Zers approach life because of that digital experience. And the term is narcissist story. So when we talk about Gen Z, because of the technology that we've grown up around and because of the way that our parents raised us, we, until we mature, have come to a point where our individual focus is so excruciatingly obvious that it has become borderline narcissistic and that's the only way I can describe it. Gen Zers might hate me for saying that, but it's true. And 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 of course anyone listening might be thinking, well, isn't that, you know, isn't pride or self-centeredness a uh, something every generation struggles with? And yes, absolutely. But for Gen Z, it takes on another level. So because we have, from a very early age, been able to create personal brands or personal stories online, we have become self-centered not only in our pride or our self-indulgence, but also in the reputation we portray to the world. So in talking about bridge building, one of the things that is a huge red flag, you know, ding, 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 alarms going off for Azir is if an older leader approaches us and thinks that we have less to offer because of our age.
1: Hmm.
2: Now, what I've seen time and time again in organizations that I work with and consult is that older leaders have a tendency based on experience and reputation which is a good assumption that the, the Zeer coming in or the student coming in has less experience and less wisdom. And that is absolutely true. And I can say that as a, as a Zeer myself that you know, I, I don't know what it's like to be you, Larry, or anyone else who mm-hmm. has gone before me. And I recognize that I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. But what many of my generation sees as that red flag, is when an older leader doesn't respect the unique perspective that we bring. So here's the distinction and and what I think could be bridge builders is that each generation needs to recognize the value that the other one provides. And I think that's where a lot of older leaders stumble is that they don't recognize that their customers, their employees, are Zers. Those are the future. So if they choose not to listen to them in terms of what might be a good market shift or a new category design or a new way of thinking, they're missing out on their biggest competitive advantage that they could have by not listening to those perspectives. If
0: they have joined the dinosaur revolution.
2: Exactly. Know what exactly. To
0: the dinosaurs, right.
2: Yep, and it's, it's going to happen to every company. I mean, we all, of course, the, the age-old examples of all the companies that have fallen out of favor because they didn't change. And I would say the, the biggest cause of that, of course, wasn't the economy or the market shifts. It was the lack of leadership listening to the younger generation they were able to hire.
1: What fantastic insights we are getting into in this episode. If this resonates with you, and is provoking, and of value, please consider the best-selling book of Get a Vision and Live It by your host, Larry Olson, at aperneo.com. His book has been an inspiration to many of Mindset Playbook's guests, and you'll find everything you need to live the best version of your life now. The results you'll get will absolutely amaze you. Find the book at aperneo.com in the shop. And now let's get back. You won't want to miss what's to come in this episode of Mindset Playbook.
0: Well, let's, let's talk about that for a sec, because it's easy for any listener to say, when I was young, I felt a disadvantage of being interpreted as young and not having anything to offer. I think there's a commonality there. I think, though, when you get into this mindset that they'd rather be on the phone, they'd rather be in the, the digital world, than participating in the socialization and the interaction of others that becomes a stereotype. And, and it's and it how do how does a, a, a leader now approaching a Zen Zier who may be on their phone or maybe on their computer, you know, and doing great things, but the perception is uh, <clears throat> there they go again. How does how does one Respectfully engage without interrupting, um, without discounting the fact that they're making a, a vital contribution for our future in, in that moment. And we need to appreciate that. Um, there has to be a skill set and some tools that we can provide these leaders. So they don't become a part of the problem because they want growth. They want innovation. They don't want to become left behind either. And they need right. these the and the millennials to, to assure that it doesn't happen.
2: Let me let's, let's hone in on that one scenario. So let me make sure I understand. So, if a leader is approaching a Gen Zer, what is the situation? Are they concerned that the Gen Zer is on their phone or their laptop and they're not working like they should? Like, what what is the concern from the leader?
0: I think you know, in in all the consulting in the in in my own business on teaching leaders how to communicate better and what listening really is, and that each one has their own story. Um, they would not approach with a preconceived notion, even though they may be biased by it from experiences from the past or trying to get their own children's attention at some point. And so they, they bring that mindset into that situation, which is unfair to the individuals on the computer. But if they take that out now, I, I, I think there's a tendency to, I don't want to interrupt. You know, I, when it, when can we have a, a conversation? Um, mm-hmm. You follow me? Because they're either on the phone or they're on the computer. And and it seems rude to break into that. And so now we have to create. Now, it's one thing if we create the culture together and we sit down and we, we set up what the parameters are and how do we get along and how do we interrupt and how do we respect one another's space. But that not having taken place in most organizations, which I'm sure is a lot of the work that you do as well out there has helped them with that. Um, what would you share with me on approaching someone who seems to be involved in something that I might perceive as um, not 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 a lack of productivity, but just you know, Hannah, I don't want to interfere with your space. You know, I want to make sure I create an environment where you can flow and thrive, but I need to talk to you now and then, and. And so how how do you suggest that I go about doing that?
2: Okay, I have more context now. So let's back up a couple steps because I know this is a situation that happens extremely often within organizations. My first suggestion would be for any leader who is coming from the native analog generation, don't be timid. Ah. Gen Zer, we may be on our phones, but like you just described, Larry, phones or laptops are literally an extension of our limbs. So okay. for us to be using them, that's simply a, it, it's simply us getting productive work done. Now we're going to assume for the sake of this conversation that nothing's happening. Like, you know, your Gen Z-er is just checking a bunch of social media. They're a bad Apple. They're not working anyway. We're going to cut those people out because that's usually exactly. not who we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. So, let's talk about the Zeer who is likely being productive, but but you know, a native analog might have difficulty approaching them. So again, the first tip would be don't be timid. If you've built a relationship with someone, as a leader, and you've taken the time, which as I know you just mentioned, many leaders haven't, and that's certainly what I see. but if you if you have taken the time to build a relationship with someone, they're not going to assume you're invading their space, if you need to address them. So, I would say, don't be timid, but then that leads you know to the second point, which would be build a relationship. If you take intentional time as a mentor to get to know that Gen Zer's perspective on why they use technology the way they do, and why they are maybe making suggestions for better ways that the organization could perform or use better efficiency methods, whatever those things are, then you will already have that Gen Zer's trust and respect if they're any human being worth worth your time. So don't feel afraid of invading their space. But at the same time, the third point would be that if you can recognize that a, that someone coming from the digital world, if that phone is an extension of them, then you can approach it and say, approach the the Zier and simply say, Hey, we need to have a face-to-face conversation and if you want to do that over zoom that's fine if you want to have it in my office that's fine and set up weekly or monthly whatever whatever you know level of leader you are in the organization set up weekly times and set up expectations with them of what they have to prepare for that meeting what you want to talk about that way you're giving mutual respect to that zear and saying I value your time, so I want us both to have an agenda before we come to this and have a conversation. And fourthly, um, Larry, what I would say is, and this may surprise a lot of folks, but since Gen Z is a digitally native generation, we are actually starved for human interaction. You know, you can think about, I mean, my parents, and my grandparents tell me that it wasn't it wasn't uncommon for them after school to pass by, you know, their neighbor patties and have a piece of apple pie and sit on the porch and have a conversation. Mm-hmm. That really does not happen much anymore. So, for Gen Zers, when we are on our phones and our laptops all the time and we're playing video games and we're in different worlds, we actually crave interaction. 74% of Gen Z actually says we prefer face-to-face communication in the workplace over digital methods. So if you're a leader and you're listening to this and you're from the analog generation, your Gen Zers are starving for time with a mentor. But here's a careful distinction. What you and I are doing right now, Larry, over Zoom, this is the same to me as an in-person meeting is. I can accomplish just as much with you over Zoom as I can sitting in person. So when you ask, you know, when I say 74, 74% of Gen Z prefers in-person communication or face-to-face communication, this could be what we mean. You know, having a conversation online, but actually communicating instead of doing it over text or over email. And that is actually different, statistically different from the millennial generation that still prefers email and text and other types of communication over an in uh, an in-person or face-to-face meeting.
0: You know, I've I've heard that stat before, and it and it's interesting um, because I think sometimes there's the there's a feeling that um, they they aren't skilled at sitting down and having a conversation. So you you start to feel like you've put them out of their comfort zone by asking that, but the statistics say 74% of them enjoy that and would would like to have that. Um, you know, I was one of the parents that did this a stupid thing when I took my phone away from my daughter. This was like three days, it was an eternity, and she no longer was able to connect with the world. And, and, and you know, and I was just thinking, that's not right. That's not you're not you're you've got these people there, and you are one, there's one right over there. You could walk over and talk to them. And I think I think I recognized as I got older what a ruthless thing I had done. And uh, because I just because I did not identify with that, as um, there's so many other things that she could have done with her time. And then I realized, no, there wasn't. I mean, it's almost like they're avatars, if you will. And, and, and they, and I think there's some jealousy about that, perhaps with with other generations. Because they feel sometimes neglect, not neglect, but being used by all these meetings and having to sit down with someone and have these conversations. Cause it interferes with all of the things that they could accomplish. So there's all these little agendas going on. And what's so refreshing about listening to you is, is your intelligence, you know, your, your, your good listener. Um, and. And all I would need as a leader, and I, and I, maybe this is some advice for Gen Zers: is give permission to your leaders to talk to you, to break in and say, "Is this a good time?" Maybe, maybe that side has to come into play as well, because it doesn't sound to me, based on what you're saying, that if if a Gen if a Zer is on the phone and working on the computer, they're not likely to say, "You got a minute."
2: Yeah. No, well okay, first of all, the the fact that uh the fact that you were you're willing to say I did the bad mistake of taking away a phone like that's huge. If if every leader could recognize, "Oh gosh, I made that mistake with my kid and I didn't realize, you know, that by doing something like that that I'm taking away from what is in tr- truly is their life. You know, like we're actually right after we get off this call, Larry, I've got a call with um a wonderful other Gen Zer that I met in India. She's a student mm-hmm. in India. We're going to, you know, chat on WhatsApp. While I'm going to grab coffee afterwards. Like it is this is the interconnected world that we live in today. And the fact that that we as Gen Zers are in this different sphere, like you're describing in a different zone in a way, the mm-hmm. fact that that is happening, I I want to say is massive, a massive opportunity for every other generation. And I know it's a lot of change, but what, what person from your generation, Larry, wouldn't want to have the flexibility to not have to be in an office every single day for a certain number of hours. You know, what, what person from your generation wouldn't want to have task-based work where if they finish it, they can be on vacation for three days or, you know, have a long weekend.
0: You can actually finish something.
2: Exactly. I mean, those types of things that Gen Z is bringing and that we're forcing on the talent market are beneficial for every person, every generation, not just for Gen Z. And like you've described, it's the companies who don't know how to approach or maybe are timid with how they approach the new generation or the new way of working. It's the companies that are timid or don't decide to act who are going to be irrelevant. So sometimes it's just having conversations like this, where we can have a, a generational dialogue between two very different generations and come to common ground. That's Absolutely. what we need more of.
0: Well, because we we all want to be successful in the moment. You know, I mean, put mindfulness aside, we don't live any place other than this moment right now. And if we continue to bring old moments into this moment, nothing's ever going to change for us. You know, the fact that Hannah, that I realized damage that I had done, you know, she's almost 30 now and she's forgiven me. She probably doesn't even remember it, but um, it made me skittish. It, it it hurt so bad that it made me reluctant to interfere when I saw someone on the phone or I saw, you know, a younger person so involved and so ingrained in what they were doing that side of me was, hello i'm in the room um and the other side of me was how'd you feel the last time you barged into something like that and tried to put your world your analog world on theirs and i think you're going to do a lot of wonderful c-suite intervention um because I think that's where it needs to be done. We think we're so above it and so smart and that we can handle anything that comes upon us. But when we're talking, interacting between generations, um, I couldn't relate to my parents. You know, I grew up in the 60s and and it was a traumatic time politically. And and we were just being exposed to things and, and not at the level that you were brought up with, but I couldn't relate to people that were older. I mean, they were so out of touch. And I think with our digital world now, it's so much more important that we get back in touch. And that's why I wanted to have this interview with you is help us do that. And, you know, for the sake of time, which because I think I could talk to you for hours and our audience would love every moment of it. What are some of the takeaways that people can put into place now, either with their children or, or with the people that they work with when there is a generational gap going on?
2: I love this question because if we can get practical about this, we can change literally the future of work one conversation at a time. Yeah. So my my first Tip to any leader, doesn't matter if you're from Gen Z and you're already in a management position or if you're from the, you know, even about to retire, the best thing that you can do is to have an attitude of reverse mentorship. So, what I mean by this is that the mentorship concept has been, when people think of mentorship, you know, the the definition that comes to mind is that an older, more experienced person is. Able to extend the rope down to a younger, less experienced person and help them climb. And what Gen Z is saying and what we're bringing to the table is this idea that every generation has a perspective to offer because that is the way the world works now. So, reverse mentorship looks something like this Instead of an older leader deciding to take on a few younger people to mentor, Instead, if an organization can structure reverse mentorship opportunities where the older leaders involved and the younger, you know, students, brand new employees, whomever it might be, the the category of people that are selected come to the table in, in a conversation, whether they meet, you know, once a month or once a quarter, they can meet over Zoom, they can meet at a coffee shop, whatever works. When they come to the table, the questions that they both prepare for the other person have to do with generational perspective. So instead of the younger generation having to come in with all the questions and the preparation for the older mentor, have the older mentor also come in with questions for the younger mentor. And if they can spend half the time each asking each other those questions, they're going to begin to build rapport with one another cross-organizational rapport for companies that do it well. And that, of course, builds bridges. It, it improves retention for an organization because the more people, as as you well know, Larry, you know, the more people that you can know outside of your own department, the more spider webs are built and the more you want to stay with an organization. So if both parties come to the table, uh, do this with, you know, anyone listening, do this at your next mentorship meeting instead of expecting the student to come with all the questions, reach out to them, send them an email or a text after this, if you finish listening, and just ask them, hey, next time we meet, I have a list of questions I want to ask you about what we can do better or how I can approach you, you know, from your digital perspective, or what you need from me. And if you guys can have those questions together, you're going to build incredible relationships that are so far um, stronger than the traditional mentorship setup. So that would be a really practical step I would advise anyone yeah. to take.
0: You could call those generational dignity meetings.
2: I love that.
0: Right, where we're, you can use that if you like. Where we're <laughs> you know because because you know everything you're sharing now is it really crosses generational gaps. Yes. it's about caring about one another. And that old adage, people don't care what you know until they know that you care, you know, has it's invaluable to to make sure that we're not missing out on what each other have to offer. And that's exactly. what happens when we create these definitions and these labels. And and you have you are absolutely fascinating. Um, share with everyone, because I know when I put my first book out, how thrilled I was Um and yours, I think, is going to be a real groundbreaker. Share with everyone the book and how they
2: can go about getting it. Yes. So I just just came out with this. It's so exciting for me. Um, it's called A Leader's Guide to Unlocking Gen Z. And I actually Here's had the opportunity to interview uh, Mark Miller, who's second in command at Chick-fil-A. I one of my good friends, Christopher Lockhead, who hosts the Follow Your Different podcast. um, He has read and reviewed it, so it's it's really taking off, and I'm excited about that. Um, But you can get it, and I actually, Larry, I created a unique link for anybody listening to this podcast. So if you just go to hannahgwilliams.com forward slash Mindset Playbook, then you can get the book. But there's also on there a resource that I call the pulse check. So if anyone's listening to this and they're thinking where in the world do I start? Because there's so much to know about Gen Z. You know, how do you attract us? How do you recruit us? Retain us, engage us, lead us? Then that pulse check will give you insight into what you are probably already doing f- fairly well and then where you would need to improve. So I would, you know, recommend that to any listener Who is who is engaged in this and wants to know how do I get more Gen Zers in the door and be on the forefront of attracting them? Because we, you know, we all well know that the companies that react to this five or 10 years down the road are going to get the leavings. The the companies that really act on this are going to get the best and brightest talent. So that's a quick resource to use. And then of course you can order my book right off of that link so again it's hannah slash mindset playbook
0: beautiful beautiful well <clears throat> I thank you for your time and your all the research that you've done and your your incredible entrepreneurial spirit that you have and um, your attitude is infectious as well so I appreciate that I know our listeners have and I I want everyone before we leave to recognize that all of us want to be understood no matter what age, no matter what generation. And, and we don't want to be understood because we have a problem. We want to be understood because we have something to offer. And I think if all of us recognize that and listen to what Hannah has shared with us, I mean, she has just kind of shared the tip of the iceberg and there's so much more information you've got to get her book because no matter whether you're in business or not, Anything you can do to get a bit of an edge on becoming a better communicator, you you build networks and you build bonds and you you create an opportunity to really make a positive difference in the lives of those you come in contact with. And that's what Mindset Playbook is all about. And that's what Hannah has offered us. So Hannah, any any last minute things you'd like to share with our audience before we uh, we say goodbye?
2: I'll leave you with one parting thought. And that is any leader who's listening to this from the native analog generation, I want to thank you in advance for putting up with all of our shenanigans. <laughs> you know, those things that that you might interpret as Uh, as annoying or whatever. Yes, many of those things are. And and I just wanna say on behalf of Gen Z, until we mature and until we figure out what it's like to be in the workplace, you know, be patient with us, but we're really grateful for you. And the more you can extend your helping hand down to us and that we can bring you up and into the future, the better the whole future of work is going to be. So thanks on Advance of Gen Z if you don't hear it from your own Gen Zers.
0: Okay, that was wonderful. Very well put. And thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time to listen to us today. And remember, wherever you are, you're exactly where you need to be to make wonderful things happen. It's a choice. Choose it. Thank you again. And Hannah, it was absolutely
1: a pleasure.
2: Thanks, Larry. Same to you.
1: Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, we ask that you please subscribe and share with your friends and associates. Networking is what it's all about in growing your business as well as your friends. Larry's next guest is the ultimate expert in the field of networking, Kim Marie branch Petted. She is the driving force behind the world's largest privately owned business networking organization, as well as the owner of LaTip International Incorporated. Listen with Larry as Kim Marie gallops into your life, and you'll understand why her mile-wide smile engages all who meet her.